All right, I have a very important update. Now, according to my perceptions, which is a, is a general statement I should put in front of any time I open my mouth, to be clear, that's implicit. This is all according to my perceptions. Uh, people are interested in my EBC footwear. You know, the shoes that one would wear. Matt Ray also always has good input. And I got maybe a little jag on that as well. But, uh, you know, the, the shoes that you're going to pick when you're going out and about your business in the world. You want you want shoes that are comfortable, that are uh, casual enough that you could wear them to drop the kids off to school, and yet signal to people that you're maybe not all haha business, but that this is business that you're doing, right? You're technical, but you're not sitting there wearing like an Iron Man t-shirt and, and flip-flops and, you know, shirts with a bunch of like uh, stains from Costco on it or something. So I had previously mentioned... The, some expensive ass shoes that have Maui's hook on them and uh, how they're a fur line. They're very comfortable. Still like these shoes, but I took them out uh, for a little test run at the field kickoff, the sales kickoff last week. And I got to tell you, these shoes are extremely effective at keeping your feet warm, maybe a little too effective. So uh, my feet were very hot, very warm. And, uh, and, and, you know, all the attendant things there. So I actually had to go out to some little touristy shop and buy some alternate shoes. Cause I just, I just couldn't stand it. So, so oh, there, no. there's a tip is if you have these wool line shoes, make sure it's cold where you're going. And second tip that I discovered is that if you buy the reef brand kind of Uvanzi surf shoes, they run about a half size to a size smaller than normal. So you, so you need mm -hmm. to buy a size larger. Now, now, how there is not some sort of concordance of fashion people where they can fucking figure out to have all the same sizes, I don't know. But I feel like the Reef people and Banana Republic are in this same sizing area where they're continually fucking you by inaccurately putting sizing on their clothes, which which is fine, as long as you know that. The, you know, it's kind of like, are they doing this to ensure that you have to come into the store and you don't buy their stuff online? Mm. And if so... Mm, that protects your brick and mortar for only so long until you're like, you know what? I wear a 13 in that brand. I'm not going to your stores anymore. Yeah. Right. And that that's, I, I now know exactly what sizes of running shoes I wear and uh, which models I like. And so I'm like, yeah, not going to the, the shoe store anymore. I mean, I feel like you go into any shoe store and they got that weird metal thing that like you stick mm -hmm. your foot into and it tells you what your size is. And it's just like, I don't know if that comes from Paris where they keep the, the meter stick or anything like that, but it's just like, <laughs> everyone's got that thing. Make sure your shoe fitting follows that end of story. And it's like, if the pants say 36 inches, it would be really good if they were, the waistline was 36 inches. Just, you know, I'm just want to throw that out there. Now, you go over into lady fashion. I understand that the numbering there is all fucked and whacked, which is fine. But they seem to know what's going on over there. But over here in Manland, we use inches, at least in the U.S. Manland. And so I think it Man should line land. up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and, and what's weird is, you know, despite the world mostly being on metric, you know, they're still using inches for a lot of clothing and stuff. Mm. And, 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 and riddle me this, what is the metric equivalent of mileage? Wait, what? Mm, kilometers <laughs> or, uh, oh, I see. Kilometrage? There's no kilometerage. Is it just kilometers? Would they just say distance? Right. No, but <laughs> because this is like a, a really, I think a good moral question then for you. If you could either a list the exact size correctly 
or you can make say 20% more by uh, like upsizing. So like actually take the size 38 and call them 36 and people feel like, Oh, they just feel better about themselves. Right. And they buy the pants more. What, what do you do? Do you make more money or do you, or do you like, no, 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 I'm going to, I want to make sure it's accurate. Like what, what would you do? I see. I I think that explains why it's not accurate anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like great well, inflation. Are, are but I think there are two things. I think shoes, as I was for a long uh, story, I won't tell right now. But as I've learned that many people, uh, me included, I guess I learned this that we don't tend to wear the the actually technically correct size shoes because it's a little bit more comfortable to wear something bigger. So if you actually measure your foot, like mm. somebody who would measure your foot, they would tell you like you need to wear whatever, like a ten. But you, you know, you've been traditionally for the last few years, you've been wearing like a 10 and a half because you, you just feels better and you know, you, you enjoy it better. And that's what starts to create variation, right? It's like, well, like a true 10 and a half suddenly may be a little bit bigger, right? So the whole net net of that story of shoes is I guess people technically don't wear the correct sizes, which make it, I think, hard for people that manufacture shoes to actually size them because we don't all actually want to wear that. And then uh, anything with like waistlines, I know for sure. Like it's, I think it, there's a bunch of studies that show if you just uh, whatever they call it, like, I don't know, generous size them that you'll sell more. So that's just like, you're just making more money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, it is all a fraught system, but I, I just, I just, I, I guess, I guess to give you a non-answer, I just want to have a dependable method. I don't really care. Maybe that is why, like, you know, my understanding is that sometime in the late 60s or 70s, like women's sizing, just like there was a big shift. It was just like, it was just like, we're just going to change the numbers this year. So deal with it. And, and like, like they changed the numbers around and, you know, we should have a similar thing. Like what we should do is the, uh, the numbers should be more of a concept. In, over here in Manland, where it's like, you know, here's the your size number nine. And so you're kind of like a nine size, like whatever that may mean, that's what your size is. And then you can kind of fiddle around with the uh, the generous sizing, you know. And, and I feel like in jeans land, I think they do, if, at least in Levi's, I don't know what they do over in Gap Land and Old Navy and Lee and Wrangler and all that. But in Levi land, they have they do have this distinction of like, the waistline is not the only metric that you go by. You know, if you go to your uh, your academy store or one of those places where they've got the big wall of jeans and they've got like the uh, Rosetta Stone, they'd be like, you got a waist size, plus you've got low waist, high waist, then you've got boot cut or not boot cut. And then also you'll have like regular fit or like skinny fit. And so you got all of these different parameters you can mess around with. Now, despite that, I have never been able to buy the same pair of Levi jeans and have it fit the same twice which is extremely annoying. Uh, but, you know, it seems like there's there's a lot of room for this this sort of uh, sizing thing that, that they could work that out on, on, which, you know, the the moral of the story is only wear sheep line shoes when it's cold out because <laughs> it's just, it's not going to work out for you. You're going to have a hot, oversized, sweaty mess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too gross, but yeah, it is, it is, uh, man, those shoes are so comfortable. They're so nice. But but they're they're very hot. Well, uh, luckily Esquire has done the research for us, and we can put this in show notes. I'll just give you the quick uh, the quick uh, ranking. So H and M jeans, which seem to be the truest, their thirty six inches are actually thirty seven. Whoa! And they have a whole they have a bunch of them that go down, and then Old Navy comes and clocks in at I guess the worst in this graphic, 
it's uh, their 36 inches is uh, looks like 41. So whoa, wait, wait. So uh, their 36 inches is 41 inches. Yeah. If um, yes, based on the, uh, I assume Esquire did like some legit research here. So I'm gonna tape measure. Hopefully they they didn't just have some intern go eyeball it at the store. That would be great. They're like, yeah. I'm gonna have a huge lunch, and oh, this 36. Man, yeah. that is that difference there at Old Navy is bonkers. Like, does that? Yeah, because that's like <sighs> that difference right there is like you really need a belt. Like, you know, sometimes you can just go no belt, but then other times it's just like these pants. I walk and they fall down. Like, that's amazing. Uh, huh. Well, let's uh, let's talk about sizing of cloud instances or something. Hey. <laughs> Hey. Well, well, just as a brief mention, this episode is sponsored by Datadog. We'll come back and tell you more about them later. But uh, yeah, the you know cloud sizing. Now, now by cloud sizing, Matt Ray, did you mean talking about Dropbox or talking about? Oh, sure. We should uh, well, apparently we should all run on Google Cloud. Like, what what fits yeah. your fancy? What what does the gentleman like to dress in? What, what what size storage do you need? Oh yes. yes. <laughs> well, I thought I thought what with the I always forget if dearth means a lot or a little. It's very confusing. That's why it's little. good to have a dictionary. A little. Now, now uh, I guess a plethora is the opposite. There's some yes. word like dearth. Um, you know, pervasive use of that word, ironically speaking, in my high school years, kind of ruined it for me. That was one of those words that uh, not that I have this problem, but one of those fancy words people would use to show off what they knew which is fine for them. Anyhow, so what with the dearth of, of actual tech news going on at the moment, I, I had, we, I had, we had to think kind of hard. I think, I think maybe since Dropbox is IPOing, it's, it'd be curious to look at them. I mean, cause on, on, on the one hand, you got like, uh, IPO Dropbox and, and, and all of that stuff. Like it's just, you know, another one of these, uh, unicorns or what have you uh, doing that. But I, I think, I think just the sheer magnitude of that company is what was like sort of surprising as I was reading over it. Like all the headlines were that, you know, they rounded down as, as you do to a billion revenue, but it's actually 1.1 billion in revenue for uh, the past calendar year. They all, they all mysteriously said the, uh, the year ending in December to which I immediately thought like, are there some other years I don't know about? But anyways, <laughs> you know, it's just a weird thing to be over specific about the calendar year versus the financial year. But anyways, uh, yeah, that's a lot of revenue. And and they only lost $111.7 million, which is about, uh, I think, negative 10% uh, margins, if, as, as I recall. But they have some, I don't understand what cash flow is, but apparently that's cool for them. But anyways, the whole point being that like... Uh, that there's a lot of people who use that thing. It's crazy. Like who knew? Well, yeah, and and that they're still losing money with that much revenue. Um, well, have I you mean, ever seen probably. their? Have you ever seen their booth at conferences? They have perhaps the thickest <laughs> white carpet, and I don't know if it's mahogany, but they have some sort of wood paneling, and they they do the thing like only Salesforce and Heroku do this as well, where they have. Maybe GitHub does it, but I don't really go to those conferences. You know, they have like those, uh, that like fake grass in like a rectangular, uh, pot that they kind of line right. their booth with. I mean, that's, that's some fancy ass shit. Now, as I recall, their swag is not very good. So maybe less on the carpet, more on the free shit for Cote. 
is well, what I well a, a, a little uh, conference uh, organizer pro tip here. Don't get white carpet. You can reuse it if it's not white. <laughs> hey, yo, black, brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, but but uh, yeah, the the numbers, uh, you know, 1.1 billion. Uh, that's fairly impressive. Um, you know, they uh, and I'm I'm sure that is a very high uh very low churn rate right you know once your stuff's on dropbox you're kind of like yeah it's there i'm just gonna leave my stuff there i mean i think i've been using it for well, how old are they and i've probably been using it for you know that plus a year um yeah it's just one of those really sticky businesses that you know as long as there's no drama or you know major security holes uh you're probably not gonna yeah, I'm not going to switch off it. Yeah, you know, it, it's so so various sources say they have, and they probably said this, so it's not like a rumor, but they have over. Uh, I mean, is this right? Over 11 million paying users. That, can, that that's just crazy. I'm going to go verify this to make sure I didn't cut and paste it wrong. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't sound that bad. If 11 million paying users. I mean, I guess a lot of people yeah. shop at Walmart, but it, but it is like it's uh yeah. I mean, it's a long way from the day of just like, I need to put my markdown files somewhere. Like, like it is, it is crazy. And then, and then also the, uh, I forget what the dude's name is, but there's, there's some, uh, VC that, uh, who's, who's RSS feed I follow. And he's, he's basically like the, uh, the SAS charts guy. And, and he had a good, uh, comparison between them and box. And as I recall, box was not as gargantuan and big. And so it is, uh, that's a you know the general purpose thing you you would assume box was a was a better business than dropbox because you know it's like mm-hmm. enterprise and has more features yeah. and like all this stuff but according according to tom tungas i'm probably saying his name wrong he looks like a really really happy guy uh looks like he works out a lot uh like let's see box had 399 million in revenue like what that, that's crazy that they uh, they don't have more stuff. Yeah, they better watch out. <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know, Ben Thompson kind of has, you know, he has this whole take of the Dropbox box comparisons, and you know, he, he has a bunch of different things about on the, on the accounting, right? Certainly, Dropbox and Box account a little differently about how they think of like running, I guess, the support cost of the infrastructures, like where they put it in, like cost of revenue versus, uh, I guess, the sales and marketing cost. So, I guess he's saying that. Box takes the, if you will, the infrastructure and support costs and puts that as part of sales and marketing. And then Dropbox takes that and breaks it out as cost of revenue. So you have to kind of really dive. Like when you're comparing the two, you kind of have to like do a little reverse analysis to compete apples to apples. But I don't know. I think it the net, what I took away from reading a bunch of things on it uh, off and on this week was it's the analyst community, financial analyst community, I think is, is pretty split, right? There's definitely a case to make that Box is – it goes something like Box is stronger because you know they they really uh, cater to the enterprise. The enterprise you know is more sticky and it's going to spend more over the long term. And then of course there's the Dropbox situation. It's like yeah, once you get this, uh, you know, as Matt Ray was talking about, once you get your uh, freemium model going and it's sticky enough that people just you know they almost forget about it, right? It just becomes something on your credit card that you just kind of assume you're going to pay. Um, so it's kind of I don't know. It's interesting. These companies have been around for a long time, but I think. You know their ultimate um, finality to them is still up in the air in my mind, and, and you know it, it also raises an interesting little thought train in my head, uh, which is how how single product can a company be and remain independent? And 
And like, you know, so we've got, uh, we've got Atlassian. I think Hortonworks is still around. And, and then there's, uh, you know, at one point, I think Intuit was like more or less a single, like two to three product company. Now I don't really understand what kind of company they are. I should say I haven't followed it, but like maybe it's, and then you got Tableau. I think Click is private, right? So they're not around anymore, but there's, there's actually a lot of companies that, uh, are sort of like, uh, wonderful one trick ponies. And I, I don't know why that's like something that I care about, but like it is, it is, you know, someone like, like a, uh, like a box. Oh, I don't really know what their feature set is anymore, but it feels like they do more than Dropbox mm-hmm. does. But then on the other hand, other hand, like we use the paper app for our show notes, which I'm sure you two greatly enjoy. And, uh, they've got like a collaboration thing. And, and then, you know, another test of this, whatever it is I'm talking about would be like, what's the deal with Evernote? Like they have a lot of stuff and they're in that area and I bet they have a lot of revenue. And like, is that the kind of company that can just like go public and be a public company? Does that make sense? Like it's a strange situation in my mind. You'd be this small. Well, I think, I think that, and also the business models here, like I think a lot of ways like dictate the outcomes and like the feature set of the companies and you know, where they, where it should exist. So like like Google is an obvious place, right? You think, well, Google has, you know, Google Drive and yeah, they could do the the same thing and they've had a lot of the similar functionality. But if you think about like how long Dropbox has been around and like only now have I mean I say that like, you know, back in a compliment, only now are they getting to a billion dollars in revenue. But you know, it just kind of shows that a freemium model, a subscription model is only gonna get you to a certain level as compared to an advertising model, right? Mm-hmm. Which is gonna get yeah, you yeah. tens of billions. So that, you know, to your point about your original point about uh, one trick pony, it's like, well, there isn't really a lot of incentive, I think, for like a Google or Facebook or it, just any of these large Internet to really get serious about this because it's just like, well, we could spend money here or we can spend money doing something on our advertising business. And the advertising business, at least right now, has a lot higher return than, you know, just getting people to pay a few dollars a month for storage. So so from and, and- from uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so, so Apple and, and Google, you know, they're offering free storage as well. So, you know, as, as that, that waterline continues to raise on the freemium model, you have to look for things that make paying for it compelling. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, you have the, the freeloaders like, uh, like myself, who, you know, I'll keep a little in Dropbox, a little in, uh, in Google. And I think I have some stuff in Apple's tier and, I, I imagine Microsoft would give me some as well. So um, continuing to grow that after the the market has caught up with the free end of your freemium model, that's got to be uh, – hopefully that's written up in the, the uh, SEC filing, you know, how how they plan to counteract, you know, <laughs> more, more crowd, you know, more crowding at the free level. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that was the question I was going to ask you're sort of getting to is like as, as users – of it. I mean, I assume we all send Dropbox at least a hundred dollars a year, if not more. Uh, like, I mean, there, there's two tiers of competitors. One of them is like, I remember I was sent to go study this market a while ago, uh, many years ago at a different job. And like, there is almost no end of companies that it's just like, does exactly the same thing that Dropbox and Box does. There's tons of them, or at least there were at the time. And, and like at the time, the notion was, uh, it's not even a network effect, but I would call it, it actually works effect of like, I remember even, uh, 
like Stephen O'Grady over at Red Monk and other people, they would be like, here's the thing about Dropbox. It actually works. And and that was like its big selling point for, for a <laughs> long time. Uh, and, and, and that's fair. Like if anyone's ever used like a, uh, I don't know, multi endpoint thing having to do with data, like conflict res- resolution is always a nightmare. Most, most apps I've noticed nowadays, they're just like, fuck this shit. And they'll just ask you which one you want. And they won't even try to merge things or anything, which is fine. But, but you know, nowadays, like it seems to all work. And then also, like, as you're saying, you got iCloud and you got Google drive, like, you know, if you like even order like a pencil from Amazon, they bend over backwards to give you like five terabytes of free storage somewhere. Like they're just giving that shit away if if you want to use it. And then it, I even forgot about that. Microsoft will give you like your OneDrive or whatever. And so it is like it is odd that Dropbox persists. And I guess I guess I, I don't know. So why do you two choose to use it? <laughs> Inertia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm literally like, I, I've had it for years and years, and it's just, uh, it works. And, you know, my wife got an account, people invite you in, you slowly add up like more in the free layer, you know, if you hook it into your photos, you know, and I don't know, I think I've got like 10 gigs, and I'm not paying them, right? But I've just, I've been using it for so long, you know, that, and that I set is- my parents up on it. Yeah. So, so inertia is an interesting answer. And, and all of this is good to reflect when you're trying to figure out either buying or selling other types of technology stuff. But there's almost in the same way that, uh, uh, you know, you're the product of, of all these advertising companies, like the years of service that you and I have put in Matt Ray to upload all of our stuff has really cre- we've, we've woven our own spider web of lock-in, like, now we're the ones who like ultimately were responsible for like taking the time to upload all this stuff. And, and, you know, on the network that AT&T gives me here, it's not like I'm going to be able to like send my stuff over. And I've always noticed that curiously with very rare exception, you can't like hook up one of these things to like transfer stuff in the cloud. Like they never really let you do that, which, which (laughs) isn't like, like, you know, my current problem is always like, I want to, I want to tell Google photos to go talk to, to Flickr and like suck all my stuff down on whatever fast network Google and Yahoo or Verizon have, but not really possible to do that. So yeah, I, I photo, I photo used to do that and till Apple added their own storage backend. And I, I noticed that the Flickr thing was gone and I recently had to go and like pull all my stuff out of Flickr. And oh, that was, man. that's a nice annoying. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's all there's all these these pages on Flickr about how to batch download your stuff because like because the open web and like, you know, whatever, Dave Weiner or something. And like it's like all you do is go into the organizer and select all the photos and download a zip file. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I have five gigs of photos on there or if not more like that doesn't I like the amount of time it takes that little dinky flash app to just select all the photos is like long (laughs) longer than I'm going to be alive like yeah very frustrating so how how about yourself Brandon what's your what's your feeling on the stickiness of Dropbox well I was just as you guys were talking I was just thinking like how I got you know hooked into these different services and I will say it's actually the applications have been kind of the gateway into Dropbox more than just like saving files. So I, uh, as we've talked about many times, I use 1Password as my password manager. 
And to make that work better, I ended up putting mm. kind of the password encrypted file up on Dropbox so that I could get to it from, you know, a variety of devices. And so now that that's set up, right, it's just that's like the ultimate switching cost. It's just so much easier for me to leave it there. Uh, and then I just tend to use it um, more and more because I just know I have it. Uh, and it just becomes really simple. And it's always usually set up on my computer because I've set up my one password uh password manager to use it and then you know i was just thinking at first i was thinking yeah i don't really use the apple thing but then i forgot that i i do like the uh you know the icloud backup is just so simple yep. from your you know from the iphone and then i think you get five gigs for free and you know that's pretty easy to like blow through that and then they make it real simple because i think it's like 99 cents a month for like 50 gigs and that's like way more than i need and i just like yeah i'll just subscribe to that because I'm sure I could do it with something else, but it's just, I don't know, it's just about the simplest thing. So, you know, really those applications have, have anchored me down. Like I'd probably, it would take a lot for me to want to move either one of those files just because I'd have to go through the process of setting everything up again. Um, so I think it's sort of a combination of an application requiring some kind of cloud service. Then you, once you get it integrated, you really are anchored on it, right? And then of course you can start to use it to like share uh, files with other people um, as well, but like the applications are the anchor for sure in my, in my world. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's the old, uh, it's the old data gravity, uh, problem, but, but it's, it, it is, it's exactly data. Gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that like people don't freak out about that as much as maybe they should with, with lock-in things. They're always distracted by other stuff, but, uh, and, and then, and then also, yeah, like the integration with other applications is, is, uh, it's pretty nice, but you know, you, 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 both of y'all hit upon like the other thing, like, like I find myself like using uh like iCloud a lot more. Like, I think I pay like the hundred dollars a year or something for, uh, I don't know how much space, a fair amount of space. And then recently they made it so you can share it with your whole family, which, which is nice. So now my kids with their things, uh, you know, as, as y'all noted last week, when they're all watching their own, uh, Netflix on their own connection and bringing my network down, uh, like, they can back up their stuff on there, which is nice. So it is, it is like iCloud is almost imperceivably easier to use than Dropbox, like just a tiny bit easier. And then, and then you can back your stuff up there. Now, of course, their whole photo management thing is, is always just garbage. Uh, but yeah, that, that seems like one of the more likely threats to like a Dropbox thing. And, and then just to close out the topic, I think another instructive thing about, well, we'll see when they IPO if we actually can give them some halo effect that they were successful, right? Like if it IPOs and tanks, then of course the whole 10 years of Dropbox was an utter failure, right? Like it, just bad software <laughs> like, from the yeah. get go. You, you, you made it, you made it here and uh, we didn't care for your last 10 years. That's right. So, so you're done. But uh, anyhow, done. Uh, that, that, that kind of stuff would be hilarious. And then like Oracle swoops in and buys them and, and you know, uh, figure and out put, what, and puts it. Yeah. Puts it all on their uh, uh, exabyte storage. Oh, that would be that would be lovely. Takes it off cloud. Oh dear. <laughs> but um, it is interesting. The kind of like one footnote in the whole thing, you know, like kind of private cloud, public cloud discussion we have going on. It is. I just found the the latest write up, write up because I guess it was in S one as well as that Dropbox did, you know, go out and essentially move off AWS largely and build their own infrastructure. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting. And I guess they say they uh, saved nearly. 75 million in infrastructure costs over the past two years um, after doing that. Now, you know, I, you know, again, these are these numbers, I would always take them with a grain of salt. But, you know, that's interesting is that as we go forward, 
is that going to be an asset or a detriment, right? The fact that they do have this proprietary system, should someone ever look at them as acquisition, is that going to help them or is it going to be like, no, like we don't, we would just prefer you'd use one of the major cloud vendors for this. So that would be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, there, we probably talked about this uh, last year or something. It was, um, I guess it was 2016 now that I Googled it, uh, when they actually, you know, announced that they made the long-term transition off of AWS and, you know, the, there, there will probably be like, you know, private cloud vendors who are like, oh yeah, see, you know, Dropbox did it. You should, you know, avoid the public cloud. But the reality is like their business is storage, right? So of course they can't afford to have someone else's margin between them and their profit. Right. So, you know, I, I don't think there's a lesson here for you should be in private cloud because Dropbox is unless your business is running infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that it is, uh, uh, you know, I, it's, it's also that, you know, this is a, as my continuing minor gripe about the, uh, the, the media, I, I sound like a crazy right wing person, but, but it is like, there's, there's always, there's always like continuous, like uh, cloudy pearl clutching about like, oh, they don't use public cloud and everyone's shocked and amazed, despite, as you were saying that this was spoken about like two years ago. So not, not like big of a deal, but it's, uh, it's astounding. Well, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of the fact that like, you know, you, you, no matter where you might be running your things or if it's storage or compute, you probably need to monitor it. You need to make sure that like things are up and running well. You might even want to make a dashboard that you can look at so you don't have to like be like in the matrix and just read some dump of things. And next thing you know, I don't know what the difference between an awk and a set is, but you're probably writing something and you're trying to figure out like, do I have to know what parrot pearl is versus old pearl? And you're writing your own nonsense. And 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 then there's like, you know, whatever a Nagios is that you have to worry about. But you want to <laughs> you want to like monitor things and even get some alerts done and uh, make sure that also you got plenty of technologies and various services and doodads that, that you can monitor. And that's that's where the sponsor for this episode, Datadog, comes in. They do all that great stuff. They, and, and they've been releasing a, a little series of articles recently about uh, the various ways they dig down, like they have forecast alerts that you can look into so they can sort of like start to get in, uh, notify about potential errors that will happen and outages that you'll have so you, you and your team can catch that. As I've said many times, they've got a good an overview. That, that made me a little nostalgic for back when I would write like uh, JMX things in sort of related, but they had an overview of like, if you want to monitor RabbitMQ or other things like that, here's not only how you would do it with Datadog, but here's how you would uh, think about modeling it and everything. So you can go test all of that out for free, you know, as you're relaxing in your uh, size 41 old Navy jeans, kind of kicking back, eating as I have way too many dates from Costco today. I mean, I, I think that a date is technically like a vegetable and fruit. So basically you can eat an endless amount of it and it doesn't require you to buy a, uh, a, uh, an old Navy size 38 pant to upgrade to, uh, I don't know, 45 inches or something. But if you go over to uh, datadog.com slash software defined talk, you can sign up for a free account, make a, make it just one dashboard. You could monitor your pant size. Maybe, I don't know if they've instrumented that yet, but maybe, uh, maybe they can. And, uh, you know, you could probably make a Google spreadsheet and manually enter it to simulate if you had an internet of pants uh, that you could be using. But once you set up a dashboard, they'll send you a, a free Datadog t-shirt. Now, I was over at DevOps Day Charlotte 
and they had uh, a data dog set up there. They're all wearing those soft purple shirts and they had a whole bucket of them. Sadly, I waited to the end to go get one and they were out of larges. So I got a small for my mother who loves that. So anyways, if, if you got stuff to monitor, whatever it may be, I mean, they've got over 200 different things. So chances are, unless you're looking to monitor maybe like a, uh, you know, a laser jet from 1992 on a, a token ring network, I don't know if they can handle that. That would be a good challenge for them. But chances are they can monitor whatever you might have. You just go over to, so, uh, to uh, datadog.com slash software defined talk and uh, make one dashboard and you get a free T-shirt, which is long enough to oh. tuck in. Now, I've heard you're supposed to say things three times before people remember them. But as we tell our prospective advertisers, our listeners are a lot smarter than that. So they don't need to hear things three times. They, they know. <laughs> All right, then. That's right. Uh, well, yeah. so, so back on, the, on, on uh, what we were talking about there, there, there has been a, uh, let's, let's say, uh, a cluster, a clutch, a rash of, uh, and I guess it's maybe it's because of uh, there were quarterly reporting came out and people find this in the uh, whatever the, in the, the, in the, w- the W2. Yeah. And you're in your, yeah. your corporate 1099 blood work with your, uh, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. Um, W4. I don't know. Uh, that reminds me, you know, the tick has some new episodes out. There's a good joke about uh, C4. He's like, there's a lot more than four. That, that, that's uh you ever watch that matt ray seems like you would like the tick <laughs> uh I, I was a fan of the uh original series back mm-hmm. when it was on fox like i haven't uh, batman well yeah with batman well and mm-hmm. uh uh nestor carbonel um and uh american made yeah yeah uh but uh i haven't caught up with the the aw the oh. Is it Amazon? Yeah, it's Amazon. So yeah. good. It's I, uh, it's unexpectedly good. Like I expect like a really? show like that to not be very good. It's not as good as Patriot, yeah. but it's it's a good show. Huh, I'll have to make it make it over to there sometime. Um, prioritize, Matt Ray. Get your backlog yeah, figured out. It's it's a mess. It's a mess. My backlog is a mess. But uh, speaking of the tea leaves <laughs> and, and Tempest in a teapot, <laughs> um, I think you were probably referring to the fact that. Uh, uh, it's been revealed that Apple is using the uh, the old uh, Google Cloud. That's right. Is that, is that where you were headed? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and then and then uh, you, it's it's almost like you're using Datadog's predictive alerting. But uh, and and then also Spotify said they're running on on uh, on Google. And then of course, as as we mentioned, Dropbox is on its own cloud, which is which is yeah. fine. And uh, now yeah. now the the close reading, which is to say, reading it at all of the article about the articles about uh, Apple is that they run not only on Google, but also on AWS, which as I understand it, most of the world runs out of uh, us Amazon East, which I think is a bad idea. So at least Apple's running out outside of Virginia or wherever that is. So that's probably good. Right, but, over in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But, but I assume, I assume even in that case, the whole point is uh, other than two clickbaity words that go great together, Apple and Google, that uh, or or I'm as I'm sure they're fond of writing alphabet, uh, but it it is it is uh, it it does show like a reliance for iCloud on uh, on on using the Google storage, if you will, and and that kind of pairs together nicely with the Dropbox talk, right? Because it's essentially like uh, it kind of lets you speculate about the pricing for these things. Like if it's so great for Dropbox, why wouldn't Apple build their own stuff and and so forth right. and so on? But Maybe it is more about like redundancy and availability and, and things like that. But 
On the other hand, Apple also has like, as we all know, crazy ass margins. So maybe they could give a fuck about like uh, yeah. building their own versus using a public cloud. I mean, that was that was my initial reaction was like, well, you know, probably um, if, if we if we went back in the uh, the Wayback Machine and, and looked up articles about iCloud, we'd find those photos of like Oracle exabytes being mm. you know rolled into data centers and how everything ran on Spark and Solaris and you know they're they're going through that migration of well you know they ran their own data centers yeah maybe they're still running a little bit of that some of it's moving in the cloud usual first place you're going to land is aws but you know google caught a bunch of that uh apparently and you know maybe over time apple look at the margins and say hey you know if we ran icloud here you know the initial outlay is you know 200 million dollars in data centers Mm -hmm. but We'll make it up in 2021. And, and volume. Kim Cook probably says. I, you know, I think you're right, Matt. There probably yeah. is like a 2007 or 2008 talk from Brian Cantrell about how he used ZFS to migrate all, all of iCloud to another set of storage somewhere. I think that, and, and then, and then well, used yeah. whatever monitoring stuff. What was the monitoring thing he was always going on about back when he was at Sun? It was like Horse Monkey or something. It Z-trace. had some, some funny or name. D- D- D-Trace. D-Trace, yeah. Well, there D-trace, was D-Trace, yeah, but, but, but before oh, that, it had is... some some like fanciful little code name or something. I, I don't know. I should go look up what the name is. Oh, was. yeah. They, they, uh, they, there was the networking stuff, the, the Trident. Triton? I don't know. I, it, it's hard to over, you know, to mix like what was Open Solaris? What was it, Joint? What, uh, yeah. you know, what happened after. You know, people moved off over to the Linux world, yeah. but um, well, as Brandon as Brandon well knows, as long as you gave Sun like a hundred dollars a month, you didn't have to care about the difference of all of that. Just, just every every seat, hundred dollars a month, <laughs> you get the you get the Fogo to Chow buffet. Don't load up on the heart of palms. Oh, that's so uh, so true. So true. yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, I guess uh, Oracle recently relicensed their Detroit stuff. Um, Mm. Not exactly. I, I guess it's not in the show notes, but um, that was one of the big things that the uh, the Solaris people always said. You know, it was like, oh well, you know, you Linux kids, you know, you've got your stuff, but we've got Dtrace, and they made it available under you know Oracle's CDDL license, mm. and nobody would touch it, right? And so you had the the whole the ZFS, you know, not being part of the mainline kernel. You had, uh, you know, Dtrace uh, having a separate license that you know not compatible with the Linux kernel, and now they've they've lowered those, they they've relicensed it, so it's now Linux compatible. Hmm. Uh, I think I saw that Brian Kentrell said, "You know, thanks for nothing. We already implemented all this." <laughs> 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 but but better late than never, right? Yeah. So, uh, we'll yeah. we'll look up some some no- articles on that and and put them in the show notes. Yeah. Um, Dtrace, what what a technology! People really love that stuff. Hmm. But I do think you know, going back to the drop, I think you hit on it, Matt. It's like for Apple. I mean, for Dropbox, like every piece of margin counts for Apple, especially. Wasn't it like three or four years ago they had the really bad iCloud rollout? Like people got fired, and like I don't know this. And I don't know there was like the third or fourth time Apple had really done poorly with like rolling out some kind of cloud based service, and so. You wonder if that didn't just drive this, you know, forget about the cost. It was just like, hey, we're just not as good at doing this. Like, why don't we just 
work with these guys and doing it and and just make it a lot better. And that seems to, you know, seems to be working fine. Like there was a time it seemed like when the Apple services were a lot more flaky. Now they seem, you know, they just seem kind of in the background doing their job. So maybe there's just some kind of business continuity or like, you know, the old, like do what you're good at. Right. And just, and it's fine to outsource this to AWS and Google cloud for now. Yeah. That, that, I, I think that's, that's, that, that makes sense. And I, and I think, I think that gets to the ultimate thing that people would uh, want to know is like, as as uh, I forget which one of you was alluding to it, but but does this mean that you need to instantly go uh, order up a bunch of like uh, servers and put and put it in your data center because the analysis is in? Which I think uh, just to make it explicit, probably not. This is just probably just a bunch of nonsense you can put in your nonsense hole uh, for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is uh, yeah it, it it's it's interesting you know one, one day we should uh we should over on the software defined interviews i should try to get that uh dr owen rogers dude on to explain to me the uh cloud pricing basket and uh i bet i bet that cantrell guy would be fun it would probably would be the only interview i would ever do where the guest actually talked more than me which would be fun yeah <laughs> uh, yeah well i i think uh i didn't uh a friend of the show uh <laughs> um Andrew Schaefer, didn't he and Brian uh, do a, an episode of Arrested DevOps a while they back did. together? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty yeah, that good. One, that, that was a keeper. Yeah, that episode was was a keeper. Yeah, um, it was it was like having Tigger and Igor Igor together, and uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that makes Bridget, but but it was it was a good mixture of the two, <clears throat> if I remember my Winnie the Poohisms. Uh, anyhow. Well, uh, so, you know, there's a few other items we didn't have a lot of time to go over uh, because we, we spent a lot of time actually talking about other stuff before we started recording, which is, was, was, was keen to my interest. But uh, we'll have a note in the show notes if you go over to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 124. You know, last time I did this, I got it totally wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is episode 124. But if you go over to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 124, you can find a link to a, a couple uh, to a couple of other things. The the D trace uh, hubbub that Matt was talking about. Always interested in the D trace. One day someone will have to come explain to me like ZFS was supposed to be in OS ten at some point or X or whatever, and now it's not. I don't know what's up with that, but that sounds cool. And my understanding with ZFS is much like D trace. It basically was uh, would have caused the uh, wh- what do you call it when the AIs take over, Matt Reagan? Your your space carpets come. <laughs> A singularity? Yeah, yeah. ZFS would cause a singularity if you let it be installed on too many things, is, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then uh, there's also, I think, I think there's a good, a good uh, some coverage just for those people who like blockchain. Uh, my, my buddy Richard Sroder on one of my other podcasts, Pivotal Conversations, pointed this out. But, uh, you know, the red-shirted one, as I think they call him, Scott Guthrie, was like, oh, yeah, we do some blockchain money in Azure. And then there was this gigantic article written about how, like... Uh, Blockchain's kind of a nothing burger, but then there's this company called Wintergreen who uh, apparently has forecast that there will be an astounding growth of 757% in the blockchain market by 2024 to $60.7 So get ready for that and find out who the fuck these Wintergreen people are because as, as they used to say, we want to, uh, we want to be smoking and drinking whatever they're on because it sounds like potent stuff. Meanwhile, Gartner just says that, uh, you know, basically the, the blockchain thing is like 708, 708 million in 2017, which sounds like maybe they're getting a little bit of what Wintergreen's on as well. 
and then uh, and and then I'll have to put a link to it in there. I see it's not there now, but there's a good article about how uh, we need to stop talking about millennials because that's a bunch of bullshit. So <laughs> I would refer you to that. So uh, finally, just as a little bit of our own ads, while we're before we get to the recommendations, uh, I think sometime after this, I'll upload as y'all mentioned last week the the interview I did um, with with uh, with our buddy uh, Christopher who you recommended to me, Brandon. And he's worked on Kubernetes and Istio. And uh, as I was astounding Brandon with, it's like 90 minutes of me basically being Columbo and being like, now now, what is this thing again? And he does a great job explaining it, like why you would want to use it and what it does and what it's not. And we even use a canonical example of any new computational technology, a uh, book buying system to illustrate what, what all these little parts do. And uh, you can you can experience my wonderful analogy about uh, how the difference between an oven, a stovetop, and a microwave tells you all you need to know about uh, software design, uh, if if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm sure there's some object oriented things there, like you know, does it have an opening? Oh, then it's a stove. <laughs> oh, a stove. Stove, such an odd word. Like people also call it a range, which I think is like calling Kleenex tissue paper or the other way around. But stove is strange. And uh, we have a, a newsletter that I didn't send out last week. So if you go to Software Defined Talk, you can sign up for the newsletter and uh, Slack. You can come in there. We've got a nice Slack community nowadays. I, I had to get some quotes about uh, people's experience with DevOps in their organization. And there was a lot of people who responded to it. Someone even typed up a PDF, which is just a treat. So, so that's yeah. fun. And, uh, you know, we'll be at a bunch of conferences. Matt Ray's going to be in Jakarta, right? Now, yeah, yeah that's, that's exciting. You are now, now, I saw a list. You're doing the State of DevOps? I am. Now, I am. You, you may recall that, uh, that we talked about the ability to do a, a, a thing exactly like that. And you said, if you're some big deal, you know, thought leader, you can easily do a, a State of DevOps thing. So congratulations, Matt Ray. <laughs> you are now a big deal thought leader. Oh no, no, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, I got introduced to them by, by Bridget and she's like, Oh, Matt could do this. And they're like, well, well, you know, we'd like to hear about, uh, you know, DevOps and stuff. And I was like, all right, I can do that. Mm. And, uh, I, I will do that. Yeah. And I'll report back from, uh, from Jakarta. That'll be fun. Well, it's be great. Well, listen, through my sources, I got a hold of John Willis's, uh, horizontal scrolling pdf of the 10-year history of devops oh that so, was a good talk so you know if, if if you need a reason to go use one of those giant <laughs> hp printers and print it out i can email it to you it's it's uh yes. it's good stuff and then of course I, I might i might need the printout so i can i can just hold it up and i'll get like a, a one of those old school like pointers not not, not a laser pointer like an actual oh, like a stick stick pointer and i'll just point and i'll be like you know, velocity 2010. I was there. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to come <laughs> yeah, over there and, I, and that talk. <laughs> I, 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 maybe I should come over and I can be your crank boy. I can like crank the, the thing so that it rolls up or unrolls. And then as long as you wear a mortarboard, I think we'll be set. It'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll be good. And then, uh, and then you get, we've got Chef Con coming up, which from my understanding from last week is the music will be phenomenal. So that's, that's good to hear. And uh, and then you're and then you're going to be palling around at South by Southwest, right, Brandon? I will I'll be down there uh, giving out stickers, probably talking a little bit about IBM, hanging out. So come find me. Mm, sounds good. All right. Well, 
What do you recommend this week, Matt? Uh, well, I, I, uh, I, I have a, a recommendation for an old classic. Um, I went over to New Zealand this, this week and somewhere along the line, sadly, I lost my headphones and, uh, a testament to how great, uh, the Bose quiet comfort earbud noise canceling headphones are is after I confirmed that I could not find them, I immediately ordered another pair because they are, uh, so essential to, uh, my life. So I will have another pair here before my next long haul trip. So that's my recommendation. If you need um, noise canceling headphones, a little pricey, but uh, you know, the wire cutter will attest to it. They're the best. Mm. You just always do what the wire cutter says. You know, uh, I think, I think those Bose people really turned around my perception of their brand since those, di- those days where they would be, you know, sandwiched in between a, a AARP and a patio furniture ad. You remember those days where they would be like, we'll send you the Bose CD thing that will play awesome music. And, and you're right. just like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is like just, you know, maybe a little bit worse than the slap chop. But they, they <laughs> seem to have really uh, figured it out. I wonder if they license that out or their name out or if it's actually Bose who manufactures that stuff. Uh, or not manufactures, manufacture. but like designs it and everything. I, I, I think they keep everything in house. Mm-hmm. Um, Good for them. As far as I know. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, you know, kind of pricey, but um, the the headphones, those are quality. Yeah. How about yourself? Kote, Kote, yeah. do you have noise canceling headphones? <sighs> well, you know, I was given by, uh, it's not, it's not, uh, who, who are the, who are the storage people that had the word fire in their name? Solid fire. Solid fire. I was given yeah, some some Bose noise canceling headphones as an appreciation gift by Solid Fire once for hosting a little dinner for them. Uh, and yeah, those are nice. I I liked them, but I just and then I got the Apple earbuds, which you know, like all things, like have some sort of noise canceling. But no, I don't. I don't really have noise canceling earphones. The noise canceling I use is to turn my music up really loud, <laughs> and, and that and that seems to work. What? What? Uh, <laughs> no, the reason I ask is the uh, the AirPods remain to me as just my own, just one of the greatest uh, purchases ever. I'm yeah. just something I use every single day. But yeah. I have been uh, in a couple places where it's been loud. But I was like, and and I have also read the wire cover review that said uh, the quiet comfort headphones the way to go. But I was like, I don't know, this is expensive. Maybe I just need to like suck it up. So yeah, uh, yep. I, all right. I, I I sucked it up, took one for the team, and now I'm on my second pair. It's, yeah, it's, you it's, do a lot. You do a lot of mileage. I guess if I'm flying to uh, you know Guam every week, like now, Ray, <laughs> then uh, I would probably do it. But uh, a lot I of enterprise try. software, a lot of enterprise software in Guam. And, yeah, and it's, it's an it's an underdeveloped region. So, uh, but hey, but my recommendation this week is uh, the audiobook version control. It's uh, I've actually been in uh, GitHub. For a long reason, we won't get in now. Um, but uh, version control is not a, is a, is kind of a good book. Uh, kind of about I won't give away too much. It's just about a story of a a couple and about different choices they make and uh, the different impacts it has. So uh, I thought it was a good listen. It was sort of a slow start, um, so I would power through that part. But the end um, I thought was really good. I, I liked it uh, quite a bit. So check that out. And then just uh, a quick request. I want to see if I could. Uh, Crowdsource something. Looking for uh, a full stack developer who wants to work on a contract project. Not necessarily a big project. So if you are that person and you want to uh, know more, email me at brandon at softwaredefinedtalk.com or find me in the Slack. Thanks. That's fantastic. 
full stack developer. Uh, that's well, what the kids call it now, right? Did I say it wrong? Is no, it, I, I think I think is there I, a new no, nomenclature. Well, I think I think there's two schools of thought. There is uh, you got the full stack developer, and then you got yeah. the people who say that there are no full stack developers, oh. and then seemingly know how to work on all the stack for you. So it's just it's just okay. like it's like the enterprise architects who don't want to be called enterprise architects. It's just it's just not cool. And okay, uh, got it. Yeah, pair with a DevOps engineer. Yeah, and then and then and then you got you got the 10x developers, and then you got the people who are like, I might be a 1.8x developer, but I would like you to pay me the same as a 10x developer, because you know humanity, which which I think is fine. But I you know as as a uh, opportunistic recommendation, speaking of the 10x developer, if you've never read uh, what's that Leprechaun's book called, I should I should. Uh, I should know these things before I recommend them. I'm pretty sure if I Google for Leprechaun's book, that's not going to result in anything useful. <laughs> but uh, it's this great book that I remember I read. I finished reading when I was uh, I was down in Mexico. Man, what a trip that was uh, in the literal sense of the word uh, as in vacation. But it's called The Leprechauns of Software Engineering. And man, that's a fantastic book. It's it's over on LeanPub, so you can choose to like not pay anything more or less. But uh, it's a really good book that goes through and like systematically uh, shoots down a lot of notions like a 10x developer or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's 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 uh, he's I'm a big fan of it because he does something that a little something I like to call citations and like research and looking things up. So it's fun. I think I think it was reading that book that I learned that anytime a study in CS is done by whatever the fuck grad students I had enrolled with me that semester is basically trash, right? Like you can't really do very good studies with like N equals the 20 grad students I had, uh, unless it's like extremely general and, and things like that. Like how do people respond to uh, using a mouse or something? But it's it's a good book, Leprechauns of Software. So, anyways, my actual recommendation, I got two things. One, uh, you know, hey, hey, let's get real. Sometimes you go to Starbucks. You got to go there. You like, I got to get my extra bonus stars. All I have to do is buy four more things. Why am I here? It's 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 fine, right? They live up where I live. Not a lot of coffee options. Starbucks is fine, but but their coffee basically terrible. It's that kind of coffee that like you can only drink the first two thirds because the bottom uh, two thirds, you know, like when it rains and then you have those like gutter catchers. So a hole doesn't get created in your ground. And there's like all that shit from your roof that's like in it. That's kind of like the bottom third of Starbucks coffee. So you just got to sip wow. the top, but still good coffee. But they have got this new thing called a blonde roast. And I remember I was up in Portland and I saw it and I was like, well, what is this nonsense? And and I asked the person, what is a blonde roast? And in a few more words than this, they were basically like, well, it's a roast that's blonde. And so that was helpful. But I finally had a cup of just a tall cup, as they call it, a small of their regular brew blonde roast. And it's normal coffee. It doesn't have all that particle particulate from your roof on it. So like if you want to if you think Starbucks burns their coffee, you should go try this blonde roast that they have. It's, it's regular old coffee. Now, my second one, and then I'll wrap up is, uh, you know, you know, you're trying not to eat carbs and you're like, bacon is delicious. And then you think like, I don't want to pay $5 per slice of bacon just to not get sugar in it. And then you start thinking, why do they put sugar in bacon? What's the deal with that? And then you remember people just put sugar in everything, including like your socks and whatever. Now it turns out, I haven't gone to go verify this because I don't want to know the truth, but I saw it at once. And, and, you know, I like to check things a few times, but Kim, 
recently when she was at Costco, she bought the low sodium Kirkland bacon. Now I previously recommended the regular sodium Kirkland bacon, but she got the low sodium. And if you look on the back, no sugar. It's amazing. So finally, there's a there's a bacon alternative that isn't like I forget the name of the organic thing they have at HEB, but it's just like highway robbery, as the old people like to say when it comes to bacon. There's no reason bacon should be expensive. It's you know. So there you go. Get a blonde roast, low sodium bacon, and uh, you know maybe you can maintain your your weight and not have to buy new pants at Old Navy. So also, before we close out. Uh, you know, because because all of you listeners didn't want to spend a lot of money on our T-shirts, which are lovely, we have a discount code. What's that discount code, Brandon? SDTFSG. And you use that when you go buy shirts on our store, which you can find a link to at Software Defined Talk or the show notes here. You get 20% off. Then you can finally be bedecked in the finest T-shirt in the world, except maybe for that one that I got from Cotton Bureau that has a hot dog walking through the desert, squirting ketchup in its mouth. In its mouth and underneath it says nothing matters. I think perhaps that's the best t-shirt ever invented. But ours is pretty good and you can get it 20% off. Uh, and you can also get some stickers if you uh, email uh, Brandon at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com or DM him or come into Slack. And he loves going to the post office. He just mailed me something today. And I bet the people there now know him. He's talking to Flo and, and uh, you know Scott, all the people there, probably having a good time. So with that, as always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.